having a great day. And it's time for us to get into our next topic today. This is one which affects all of us at some point. We're talking about conflict and how to handle it. So every day, there are situations where you come into conflict or, or maybe you disagree with friends, colleagues, loved ones, or even strangers. And everyone has their own way of dealing with these situations. Maybe you have a big noisy fight or the silent treatment. Um, but is there a more effective way? Well, I'm delighted to have um, Sala Sihombing with me today. She's a family and general mediator, as well as a family mediation supervisor to talk more about this. And we are also on Facebook Live, so please hop over to my Facebook page, Karen, on RTHK Radio 3, and you can see as well as hear Sala there. So Sala, first of all, thank you for coming on and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. Yeah, it's great that you're here in person too. Now, before we get to what mediation is, tell us a bit more about your background and how you came to be a mediator. Oh, well, it's a bit of a long, tortuous story, but let me shorten it. Um, I was a lawyer originally, so solicitor doing criminal litigation. I was in banking for 14 years on the trading floor and really felt like I needed to do something constructive. So use skills that I had, but make them more constructive and reasons I still don't really remember, found mediation as a profession and kind of jumped in with both boots. Wow. So from yeah. law to banking. So in law, you must have seen a lot of conflict. And in banking, you must have seen a lot of conflict. <laughs> yes, to both. <laughs> yes. And sadly, I had almost zero skills with how to cope with the conflict I was experiencing mm. as a professional working in banking. So that was one of the things that was interesting for me was going away, doing a master's and actually realizing, oh, there are other tools I could be using to right. get through this day. Yeah. Okay, because I guess people don't think that you can have training to resolve conflicts. They're just like, well, you know, we've got to talk about it and something yeah. will happen. Yeah, sort of it is what it is. But I think what's really been interesting for me is, um, I mean, I did that master's in 2011 and over the last sort of 12 years, realizing how different people can be, even with a very small amount of skills training. So I just worked with some students and we were doing training for a competition. One of them said to me, I know I've only been doing this for three months, but I have, all of my friends have noticed I've changed. Really? Yeah. Wow. So tell us what mediation is really and, and why is it a good course of action? So I have to be careful because I am an evangelist about mediation. Um, it is the good course of action. So it's the right fight for the right fit. So you can't always use it. But what I would say is mediation gives people an opportunity. So we really believe that people can solve their own problems, that you have the resources to do it. You're the person that will live the problem. You'll, you will live the answer. So it's an opportunity to negotiate a solution to find that problem solving. And it's very much about the future. So a lot of other processes that people use to resolve disputes, um, legal, arbitration, the courts, are all about the past and assigning blame. And mediation is, you are where you are, line in the sand, how do we move forward? How do we make it look better? So it's a very, um, from that perspective, positive way of looking at conflict. Okay, yeah. so a lot of people think that they're good, that they have a po good attitude towards mm. conflict. Uh, but in reality, when, when we get into a conflict situation as humans, how do we tend to react? Yes, yeah, so it's very normal and we all do it and I, I do it as well, is that we have this sense that we're being attacked and if we're attacked then we can't really change this. We have an instinctive reaction. So our fight, flight, freeze, um, faint responses come into action and so that's sort of what Daniel Kahneman would call our system one. Um, 
it's happening below our level of consciousness. You can't turn that off. Really? So what you can do is start thinking, why am I being triggered? What is upsetting for me? What is difficult for me? How could I make this better? Um, it's kind of keeping your eye on the prize and not getting carried away by our instinctive reactions. Mm. So that requires some level of self-awareness, right? And I think bit. most of us, especially in the heat of the moment, yeah. you just react to what you hear or what you see, and you're, you're not really focused on how, how am I, what's happening to me right now? Yeah, and I think you're right. That is one of the challenges is that we react, but also you can think about this yourself. If you're listening to somebody that you don't like or that you're angry with, you're not even really listening to what they're saying. You're programming, how am I going to respond to this? I'm going to give them this singer. Um, this will really turn them around. And obviously it probably won't because if you're in conflict, they're doing the same thing as you're saying your brilliant line. So it's finding a way to de-escalate that is about listening, reframing, acknowledging, um, just changing that conversation to be more constructive. Okay. So it sounds like if two people are just reacting, they're, they're actually speaking different languages. So they can't communicate about and solve yeah. problems. Yeah. I mean, they may as well be speaking different languages <laughs> because um, when we're really triggered, I've seen it time and again, people cannot listen even to the um, substantive content of what is being said. They just respond to the personal feelings that they have about what's being said. So they might be, for example, given a proposal that actually meets their needs, they'll still say no, because they can't hear the substantive content, they're responding to their emotional filter. Um, mm -hmm. So it's finding a way to regulate and to process. Okay. Um, and that is skills based. I mean, right. there's no, you know, how can you turn off being human? Um, but you can use skills to help yourself. Now, I mentioned at the top that Everyone has their own way of dealing with the conflict, um, whether they're anticipating it or they're yeah. already in it. What are some of the different ways you've seen that people approach conflict? Yeah, so there's a lot of work that's been done in this area. Um, and there's kind of a spectrum, as with everything, I guess. Um, and you can adapt, that everybody can change how they re respond to conflict and you can learn different ways. But a lot of people avoid conflict. So you can think about people in your own life, or maybe it's yourself, who just don't want to engage. Mm -hmm. Something is difficult, they kind of run away from the conversation and maybe you feel like you're chasing them. Mm -hmm. But there are people who rush towards the conversation. So they might be a bit more competitive um, in terms of how they approach conflict. And then there are people in the middle who maybe can collaborate or compromise, or maybe you can think of people that always give in. They never really stick their ground. They're like, okay, fine. For peace, let's settle. Um, and maybe it's not actually what they need. Okay. So then if you are in conflict with someone and they have a totally different mm. style from you, what, what are you supposed to do? Well, what I would say the first thing is understanding yourself, always step one, and also people like doing it because it's themselves and it's fascinating. Um, but then the other thing is just having a guess, a hypothesis, it's always a hypothesis because no one's going to sit down and do a test for you about what might the other person be like. I know them or I'm experiencing them, what might be going on for them? How might I appear? How could I get a better result? Um, so Stuart, um, Diamond wrote a great book called Getting More, which is essentially about don't take your eye off the prize. Don't be distracted by sort of, you know, unkempt emotions or perceptions. Just focus on what you actually need to achieve. Mm, okay, so focus on the issue rather than the, the, the person or yeah. your own pride about how you feel. Yeah, so we call that being hard on the problem, not on the people. 
So you focus on what is the problem we need to solve. I'm not going to be hard on the people because I've got to work with them to get this done, even right. if you really don't like them. Right, right. Now, of course, there's conflict in so many different settings. If we talk about, since we spend so much time at work, mm. conflict at work, um, sometimes the difficult thing about that is the person you're in conflict with is your boss, you know, is higher up in the pecking order. And that may be that may make you look at it differently from a conflict with someone who's, you know, junior to you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I would say is I think you can use these skills to manage up, <laughs> just as you can manage peer relationships. Um, but it's really the same thing. It's approaching everybody as this is your partner in solving this problem. They may not even be aware that there's a problem or how to solve it. But if you have better skills, you can get this done. So I think we can probably all think and I can I can actually name the people mm -hmm. at work who I found absolutely impossible to deal with, but somebody could work with them. Somebody was able to problem solve with them. So it's possible. Yeah. So it's not impossible. It's infinite universe. Mm -hmm. So then you just need to think, well, if I'm having trouble, what do I, what can I do to change this dynamic? Because conflict is an interaction. We're not really in mediation interested in, well, you're 5% and then 95%. It's an interaction. Right. So how do we make it better? Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. And then in the family setting, you've got other complications. What, what are some of the other factors that come into play there? Well, there are so many, but I guess one of the big challenges, particularly for family mediators, because unlike a general mediator who has no interest in any outcome, we have no partiality, family mediators are there to advocate for children. So if there are children in the family, then part of our responsibility is to help parents focus on best interests. And obviously that can People can have different views about what that is. Um, they may not be that focused because people can be very tied up in their own pain. Um, but we bring in objective criteria, research information to share with parents if they're struggling to figure out, well, what are some good arrangements for children? Mm. Um, and it's hard because obviously for a lot of people, everything changes. Their family structure, their identity, their financial situation, their arrangements about their children, the future is lost. Um, so people are grappling with a lot of losses in yeah. family disputes. And also the emotions, um, which are also hard to control. And you, it's hard to see objectively when there's so much emotion tied up with everything. Yeah, I think almost impossible. And obviously the other thing is if you've been in a relationship with someone, they know where all the buttons are. They know exactly how to press that button um, and vice versa. So that's the other thing. You find people get triggered and you might be sitting there as a mediator thinking, well, that didn't seem that bad and the mm. other person is now absolutely livid because they know <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was the button <laughs> now you mentioned just now that as mediators um you you're not attached to an outcome you just really like come to the table and talk isn't isn't that hard because when you hear both sides surely your instinct is like oh that person's right and that person's <laughs> not so, so right so i think that is a normal fear when people come to mediation that mediators are sitting there judging them um the reality is there are forms of mediation which we don't practice in hong kong although they probably happen all the time uh which is more evaluative where you you're coming to somebody because they have um a subject matter expertise and you want them to give you some direction but for family mediators we come to this as you are the best placed to solve this problem you both have a perspective there's probably multiple perspectives um, how can we facilitate the best solution you can have and what we look for is a durable solution so mm. a solution that will endure right. um, and what we're hoping is people find resolution not just i'm settled fine i'll walk out yeah. but actually it's not what 
100% of what I wanted, but I got what I needed to be able to move on. Okay. And do you find that most people eventually can get there? Yes. Oh. And so I think that's kind of a weird positive message. Um, but if you, I think a lot of people have this, well, I'm going to go to court. Fine. But look, talk to your lawyers because the percentage of people that actually make it to court is small in comparison to the percentage of people that are actually getting divorced. So globally, mediation talks about an 80% success rate, i.e. there is an agreement at the end of the mediation. That's across the board. Um, we don't really have statistics because mm. it's confidential. Yeah. So it's very hard to do that. But what I would say is, you know, it's 10% of cases end up going to court in Hong Kong. So somewhere around there. So yeah. therefore, most cases get settled. So if that's the reality, be in that majority. Mm. Yeah? Be the people that don't have to go through that process because yeah. um, it's hard. If yeah. mediation is hard, at least I have chocolate on the table. They do not have chocolate on the table in court. Yeah. And, and also it's very expensive, right? It's incredibly expensive. Um, and I have to say, the lawyers do an amazing job. So family solicitors, and I work with a lot of family solicitors, obviously, in Hong Kong. And one thing I think that we are blessed with is that as a profession, they are focused generally on families' welfare. They mm. are really trying to get the best done for their client but also with an eye to how can we do this in a way that is not destructive to our clients. Um, and unfortunately, around the world, that's not always the case. So in Hong Kong, we're really lucky. Yeah. So, the, so they're actually pushing them maybe to say, go mediate first, and then maybe if you really need me, come back to me? Oh, well, I think they can, solicitors can be of use throughout the process, mm. is what I would say, because family law is not intuitive, and it's often doesn't seem to be based on common sense for most people. Right. And so it's really helpful to have that legal advice, really important to have independent advice to make good decisions so that you at least are informed. But um, yeah, generally I would say most solicitors, the vast majority are extremely encouraging to clients and will really support them to find ways to get a solution mm. um, that they can agree, mm. whether that's through mediation or just direct negotiation or collaboration. There's lots of different paths. Yeah. Now, getting back to more more general conflicts yeah. away from the family, is there a way to prevent conflict? <laughs> I would say no. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that's the one thing that I really changed actually that year when I went away, which is mindset, which is conflict I think I saw as deeply negative. It's always destructive. It's this kind of dark force that sits at the edge of consciousness and then whoop, swoops and takes it over. And I think the challenge is change that mindset. Actually think of conflict as a way of either um, giving you an opportunity to change. Something needs to change. That's why conflict's arisen. Or as one of my professors, Kenneth Cloak, who's written loads in this area, if you're interested, um, talks about conflict shows us who we are. Mm. It's a way of revealing where are the boundaries between us? Where are the pro What's really important to me? Because you're not going to have a fight, as he explains, when you're 19 about who plays on the swing set you'll have that fight at five. Right. But you're not going to have a fight at five about when my curfew is. That's a fight for when you're a teenager. So it will show you where am I? What is happening for me? So that's kind of changes a little bit to it's a normal part of life. How do I make the most of it? Mm. Do you think as humans, I mean, we did talk about different approaches yeah. and some people who seem to love to fight. or love they to do. <laughs> but generally speaking, do you think that people mostly don't like it they, they mostly feel uncomfortable about it and maybe have that view that you did that yeah. conflict is bad you know it's, yeah. it's a negative force and i think there's a lot of reasons why that's true you know that it does make it can make conversations awkward it can make just life difficult um people can react badly but i guess what i would say is 
if you can change how you think about it and how you approach it, you can change that interaction. Because at the end of the day, it's an interaction between the two of you. If you change how you are, you might start changing how they are. Not saying you're not going to encounter really difficult, high conflict people because they mm. do exist and they will continue being in conflict no matter what. But you might get some insight into why that's happening if you think, change how you think about right. it. How do you deal with people like that? Who, who run to the conflict and go, I want to get into this and fight with everyone? Yes. So I guess there are people who have what we call high conflict personalities and they are, and they're not even necessarily aware that they are constantly, like they'll have a pattern and you might think, oh, I know that person. They'll have a pattern of conflicts. It's not just one disagreement. There'll be neighbours, there'll be co-workers, there'll be people in their family, there'll be relationships. And you're like, wow, they just keep having these same type of disputes. Um, that might be someone who's got some behavioral traits of high being a high conflict person. Um, and it's really acknowledging a couple of things. They don't know it's happening. Most mm. of these people are very unaware. Life is just really hard for them because right. everyone is so difficult. Right. Everyone um, like, yes. doesn't understand. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll see they'll, they'll do black and white thinking. Everything will be all or nothing. Um, you're either a hero or you're a villain. There's no grey. Um, and so it's really just, I think, if you're dealing with somebody like that or you work with somebody like that, it's being really clear. Don't get sucked into the drama. Don't get recruited as an advocate for them. Stay really clear. Stay focused. Be firm about your boundaries. Um, it's kind of the best you can do. There's no magic wand. I mean, many days I wish I had a magic <laughs> wand and I could really help people um, to change everything. But yeah, it's just... You can only control you. And I think at the end of the day, realizing that is also a big step, mm. that we try and control other people or have rules for how other people should behave. They're not going to behave the way we want them to. We can only control us and how we respond. I'm just thinking, you know, we all grow up in a family setting yeah. where we see how our parents handle conflicts or our siblings yeah. or whatever, and we, we sort of that behavior is modeled for us. It, do you think that actually we should be more consciously teaching kids from a young age when you get into a conflict with your classmate or your sibling yeah. or even me as a parent, here's, here are the tools that you can have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really think that um, we underestimate how much children are absorbing. I mean, we know, well, we're teaching them our values, but we're also teaching them values about what does conflict mean? Is conflict something to be shunned and feared or is conflict something that's a natural part of life? And this is the way we deal with it. So, yeah, that family of origin, those lessons we learn are very deep and very ingrained. Um, and so I think, yeah, it'd be great. It would be amazing if we were teaching children that, well, this is how you can maybe listen to somebody if you're upset. And maybe this is some way that you could talk to somebody if they're upset. We have to appreciate though, they don't have a prefrontal cortex as adults do. Right, so right. until, you know, at least women are sort of 23, 24 and men are 25, 27, there isn't anything at the front that's going to help with the problem solving, rational, logic part. But we can teach them skills that then become, you know, part of their life. I would say in New Zealand, they do a lot of peer mediation with school children mm. and help give them skills. Um, so, yeah, I would think it'd be great. So what would be, like for our listeners, what would be one skill that you could easily learn and easily put into place for every day? Like just like your every day-to-day -day conflict, like there's only one seat left on the minibus and I got here first. <laughs> and they wanted to take it. Well, I guess for that one I would say, are they pregnant? Are they older? <laughs> Do they need the seat more because they're carrying something heavy? Um, I guess what I would say is, is 
that pause because very often we're reacting. And I think if you can give yourself time to actually think about what is happening, yeah, respond to what's happening as opposed to react, try and derail some of that instinctive behavior where you're defensive and just think, oh, okay, why, why is that happening? So maybe ask some of those questions. Um, but yeah, the why and listening is good because we really don't do it very well. Um, but yeah. That would be a starting point. That's <laughs> wonderful. Well, Salah, thanks so much for coming to talk to me about it. Now, is there um, a way for people to learn if they're interested in learning more about conflict resolution or even if they need mediation, um, if they're in a situation where they think that might be a better thing to do? What would you recommend? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of literature in this. Um, on my website, I've got some um, books listed, which I think are really great starting points. Kenneth Cloak as an author is amazing to talk about the nature of conflict. Um, if you are looking for a mediator, um, HKMAL, H-K-M-A-A-L.com. Mm -hmm. It has a list of accredited mediators for both general and family. So that would be a way of finding a mediator if you need one. Um, but I think it's just looking for skills training because it does exist. Um, even if you just go and do a mediation course, not because you want to be a mediator, but because you want to improve your skills, that I think is a great suggestion. That is a great idea. And if anybody wants to get in touch with you, how can they reach you? Uh, so I am contactable at uh, sala at conflictchange.com. Um, but yeah, I start just start reading. There's some great stuff out there. Oh, Bill Eddy, I would also recommend. Um, High Conflict Institute, very interesting. Just really easy things to read, a okay. couple of pages. Yeah, Great. Well, Sala, thanks so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure talking to you and learning more about conflict resolution. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.